everyone to JCV Art Studio Season 4. My name is Joanna. Oh gosh, I, I have had my head in uh, researching The Hague because I'm working on book four. And I tell you, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to kind of get back down to, okay, I'm a Canadian, I'm in British Columbia on Vancouver Island, I'm not in Den Haag, as I'm trying to pronounce it correctly. So I'm the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child, which both take place on Vancouver Island in Victoria. And today I have back on the podcast, award-winning author, Benny Sims. And we are going to talk about his latest novel, mile marker zero and this is a different novel and it's it's a good novel and i've i have my questions for benny so first a little about benny he is his love of storytelling traces back to reading jack london's the call of the wild when he was seven years old benny remembers his uncle telling him stories of being an artillery cannoneer in North Africa and Italy during World War II. Benny grew up in Tennessee, but moved to the small town of Benton and Southern Illinois when he was 14. After attending college in Murray, Kentucky, he re relocated back to Tennessee to work as a journalist. Later, he worked for three decades in the aerospace industry in Huntsville, Alabama. Now, the last interview I had with Benny was about his novel, Code Grey, and I still remember the manhole cover scene. Benny, you know that was one of my favorites. So, Benny, welcome yeah. back. Hey, thank you, Joanna. I, it's all, I love doing interviews with you. You're one of the best. You're one of the best. Thank you. Thank you. So, first, congratulations on winning the 2021 Killer Nashville Silver. Now, is that Falchion Award? Falchion. Mm -hmm. All Silver. right. Okay. For your, your four best mystery for Code Gray. How are you doing? The last time we talked was during lockdown. Have you been doing some traveling? How's it going? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad, you know, most of the lockdowns are, are pretty much over with and, and, uh, now, since the last time we've talked, I've had a lot happen in my oh. life. My my oldest son got married, oh. and yeah, that was that was uh, this past April. And there's kind of a neat little story with that. Um, the day of his wedding, the uh, the guy that they had to officiate the the minister that they had to officiate the wedding got sick and was in the hospital. Oh no! So uh, guess who got to officiate my son's wedding? At me, yeah, I got wow. to officiate my own son's wedding in the state of Alabama. You don't have to be a minister or, or anything like that. Uh, you you already have the power to, to officiate a wedding. As to the best of my knowledge, mm -hmm. uh, either way, I officiated my son's wedding, and it's been a highlight of my life. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and then uh, later on this uh, this past summer, I I caught a little bout of COVID. Um, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't wasn't too bad. It was like a bad cold for a couple of weeks, yeah. and got got over that okay. And then I went to Killer Nashville again this past August. I didn't have any books uh, entered into any contests. I just went to enjoy myself. And man, that 
any riders out there, if you can ever make it to Nashville for for that that convention, it is one of the best. It is well run. It is a good time, and every author there uh, is supportive. Yeah. You know, you've got a lot of people there that are cheering for every other author to do well. So yeah. I just love the place. I absolutely love it. Excellent. You've yeah. had a busy, a busy year, busy summer. Jeez. Yeah, I've been. Uh, uh, it, you know, it's kind of a a bit of an issue with being this busy as I can't write as much as I need to. So I, my writing has really dropped off. Uh, but now it's getting colder and, you know, less, of course, now we do have the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays coming up. So yeah. that's, that's going to take some of my time, but uh, I'm going to try and slug my way through it and yeah. do some writing in the meantime uh, on my current book. So Good. 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 All right. Yeah. So before we get into our serious conversation. Let's talk about Benton, okay? And you riding your bicycle to school and the connection to George Harrison. Yeah, I told you about this in an email back a few couple months ago, I think. Yeah. And uh, uh, I used to ride my bicycle to school, uh, you know, before I had my driver's license and um, there is a little side street that goes beside the school, and then there is a it's a residential street. Basically, is what it is. And uh, I would always park my bicycle right up against the the school building. Uh, on some days, there were so many bicycles there that I didn't have room to to park my bike. So I would park it, lean it against the the bushes in front of the house across the street. Yeah. Uh, didn't know it at the time. But that house belonged to Louise Harrison, who, who was George Harrison's sister. She, she had her husband um, was a mining engineer. OK. And uh, southern Illinois is a very large coal mining area. Yeah. And so they had moved there from England for, for his job as a, as a mining engineer. And I had no idea that, you know, that that was you know, George Harrison's sister, and I didn't find out about it till just, you know, after I'd already left Benton, got in college and everything. So that's kind of my little bit of a claim to fame. And I'd actually met her one time. She was on her, she was out on her, her front porch when I came riding up and I said, can I park my bicycle right here next, yeah. you know, she was, and she had a bit of a Southern, uh, Southern, uh, uh, a British accent. Yeah. And I didn't think anything about it. She said, of course, you yeah. know, of course, parked about it. And so I parked my bike there. Didn't think anything else about it. And, and now that I think, you know, after I found, found out that that's George Harrison's sister, yeah. started putting all this together. Wow, she had a British accent, you know. And so that's kind of my name-dropping claim to fame about, yeah. about Benton. Uh, that And there's one other thing about Benton that uh, I don't know if I've told any, you about. Um, yeah. uh, the actor John Malkovich yeah. actually... Uh, went to the same high school as me. Um, I, oh. I, I, yeah, I graduated with his sister Becky. Yeah. Uh, okay. she, she was she was in my class, so that's I've got you know. If I ever want to name drop, I can name drop John Malkovich and George Harrison. And, and you know the thing about famous people like that is they're just regular people. Yeah, you know they're you know they're they're not some magic you know, wizard or something like that. You know, they yeah. just they just grew up to be regular people. They just who just happen to have uh, an occupation or certain life circumstances that brings them a little bit of notoriety. So yeah. 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 Okay. 
well, let's let's talk about you. Let's talk about you and mile marker zero, okay? okay. Um, now, I know authors get asked this all the time, but with this book, I'm curious, what was the what if? Um, was it the character, Jonathan Doe? Was it John Doe's situation? What was the that spark that made you think, hey, I'm going to I'm going to write this book. Well, uh, I didn't actually have a character in mind when I got started, but I was uh, I had just finished writing Code Gray. Yeah. And it was about a month after I'd finished. I'm like, I, I need to start another book. I had no idea that Code Gray was there, that my folk, you know, anybody that picked it up would want to turn it into a series. So I didn't start writing a sequel to Code Gray. So I wanted to write a standalone novel. And I'd always been interested in crime thrillers and serial killer stuff and, and, and things like that. Um, so I, I thought, well, I, maybe I'll just do a, a serial killer book. How can I approach this from a different angle? Yeah. You know, there's there's a, a lot of these tired storylines where, oh, it's a serial killer and he always takes a trophy from his victim, you know, uh, which is, and that's fine. That's, you know, that happens a lot in real life, but I didn't want to write something that had already been written, basically. Yeah. So um, I just got to thinking, well, why would this person want to be a serial killer? Did he, did it happen to him because he couldn't help it or did he make a decision? Yeah. Did this person make a decision? And I just thought, oh, what if he, what if he decided, he just made the decision to be a, a serial killer? Um, what would be the circumstances around that? Yeah. And so I started putting all this story together and it took me, you know, a lot of thinking and rehashing things in my mind. Uh, and then just out of the blue, it, this question came to me, what if he set a goal for himself? to kill one person a week for an entire year, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I started, you know, kind of uh, attacking the story from that angle. And then it just, it just kind of grew into a novel. It just wow. kept going. And um, so it, it was a little bit his situation, my character's situation that drove the circumstances for it being that type of story. Uh, but it was also, you know, it eventually became his character, too. So it's yeah. a little bit of both the character and his situation that that kind of drove everything. Um, uh, you know, this this whole thing of hashing it out in my mind and all that. You probably know this as well as anybody. Uh, most people don't realize, but a whole lot of writing is nothing but just staring out the window. <laughs> because you're sitting there thinking you're yeah. just sitting there staring off into space and that's actually believe it or not you may not be actually clicking your fingers on the keyboard but you're writing you're thinking yeah. of things and uh before i started putting this story together i was staring out the window a whole lot you know yeah. right over my mind well for me it's uh we're we're in our house we 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 finally landed and uh the neighbor said to me one day, he goes, you need to install a, a watering system. Okay. So you're not out there with your hose watering your plants. 
And I thought, what he doesn't understand is while I'm watering my hostas, I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do with this chapter? Am I going to move this over? It, like my the brains go away, right? And then I realize, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. I've just drowned my hosta. Next plan, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? I know exactly what you're talking about because uh, with me doing something, a mindless task, it, yeah. it used to be for me when I was writing Code Gray, it was mowing my yard. I yeah. was out, you know, just just mindlessly going back and forth across my yard mowing it and the ideas would come to me and and to mention code gray uh if you remember my main character bodie anderson throw takes a tennis ball and that's the way he thinks he, he throws a tennis ball against the wall remember that yeah i put that in there because i had to have a way for him to think you know yeah. just doing a mindless task you know and so i, I don't know it it was kind of a happy little accident that 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 came about in the book, but it's single word. So yeah. Well, yeah. and that's that's the thing with I have, you know, with Mile Marker Zero, your character, he's a character, you know, like he's just <laughs> there's a lot. I think you put a lot of work into him because it's not like you said, other serial murder characters. He's he's got he's got character, you know, and whether it's him sitting at the cafe in the beginning, you know, and he 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 wants his breakfast and it just you have a you have a character and the police show up. I'm not going to get in into any more of it. OK, so, yeah. But uh, Well, he uh, uh, I wanted to make this character seem like a real person. Yeah. You know, and, and with the little quirks and, you know, almost every, I won't say every person, but a, a vast majority of the people that I know have a little bit of a sense of humor about them. And they're a little dumb in some things and they're and they're smart in some things. Uh, and, and so I tried to make him seem uh, human and relatable. Uh, to, to a lot of people, you know, he had suffered, uh, this character had suffered a, a whole lot of, of uh, uh, mishaps and, and just bad things happened to him and bad luck yeah, uh, and, and some tragedy, some, yeah. some tragic stuff, you know, uh, and, and that happens, things like that happen to regular people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, then I had to, to kind of spread that out over the course of a year. I mean, uh, he has some some pretty bad uh, uh, luck, some tragic luck uh, on more than one occasion. Uh, yeah. and, and I wanted him to be relatable to where people say, you know, I think I've had that exact same thing happen to me or it's happened to somebody that I know or I, oh, I totally understand how he feels in this situation. Um, it was tough to do that. It, I mean, I mean when you're developing a character it's really tough uh so i had to kind of look inside myself a lot and, and think what would i do if i was in his situation yeah you know yeah. Uh, uh, it, it and that's also why i made the story written in first person basically is him telling you the story yeah of, of his his year of trying to kill people yeah 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 no and it's it's always that um question of how much can i push on this character before Mm -hmm. they i don't want to say snap but before things just start to 
to to break down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know with working with my character, um, you know, I, I've shocked my husband many times, you know, when I'm talking about <laughs> how I'm going to yeah. knock off people, you know, and, you know, a few times he's looked at me and he goes, God, you're violent. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, well, I write mysteries. So how do you explain to your wife that you're writing a novel about a serial killer? <laughs> Oh, she's fine with it. Yeah. She's, uh, I don't know that all the rest of my relatives are fine with it. Uh, I, I know that my mother-in-law is like, are you really a killer? Are you a killer? Aww. You go out and kill her. Uh, I mean, she's kidding, of yeah, course. Yeah. But, you know, uh, no, my, my wife knows that, you know, she expects some pretty horrendous things in my writing. And, and um, uh, we've talked about this before. In other times that you and I have talked uh, in interviews, I'd like to make uh, my readers feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, uh, if you've got a a reader who is comfortable and kind of knows what's going to happen, then they kind of lose interest in the book. But if you can keep a reader on the edge of their seat by sometimes any means necessary, you know, they'll keep turning pages. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's one thing that helps with book sales and getting your name known as a as a writer who takes chances. Yeah. Um, uh, now, I haven't had a murder, I don't think, in this book that's quite as brutal as what you had in the unraveling <laughs> at the very beginning with someone getting their head chopped off. Yeah. But uh, uh, that's that was a good shock to begin yeah. the book. It really was. Uh, and, and things like that shock, things that shock readers. And I, I don't mean repulse them, you know, it, it basically just make them sick to the stomach, turn them off. Oh, I don't want to read yeah. it. I, I'm, not, I'm not looking for that, but I am looking yeah. for something to make the reader just be a little bit, Ooh, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen this before, or this is a different type of story. Let me see how it ends. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, geez, I didn't see that coming. Right. Like that's what that to me as a reader, I want that too. Right. And you did that. You did that with this book because there were things in this book that I was like, like that. I didn't see that coming. Right. You know, well, I'll tell you this sometimes when I'm and and this probably happens to you, too, when you're writing something, you don't you don't know. Oh, there's going to be. Oh, my gosh. There's a twist here. Yeah. You know, it kind of just happens while you're writing it. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the what if question comes in. It's like, oh, what if instead of the story taking this road off to this off to this side, what if the story went in this direction? And what if this happened? And then next thing you know, you've got a major twist in the story. You've got a, a, a big surprise and you make people move up onto the edge of their seat. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, how was the research for this? Um, I tell you, my my internet, you know, history. I'm scared that CSIS is going to come knocking on my door and say, Joanna, what are you doing? <laughs> right? right. right. So, <laughs> why why are you looking up ways to kill people? What's going yeah. on? Right. Uh, well, the the research uh, mainly involved uh, geographical. The, the lower 48 because this character uh he he zigzags all over the the 
the continental United States, literally yeah. from East Coast to West Coast, from from the Canadian border, basically down, all the way down to the tip of Florida, yeah. uh, back and forth, back and forth, all over. And he with uh, a different victim in a different town. You know? Yeah, that's how he finds his victims. Uh, and, and the re- most of these places that he went, I'd never been to. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean some some I had been, yeah. some I had been, but but most of them no. Uh, yeah. So I actually had Google Earth a map, Google Earth map open on my computer. Why I've got I've got two screens on my on my computer, and one screen was always uh, Google Earth. Yeah. And I would I would look at landmarks within a certain town and then I would look up, uh, you know, a Wikipedia entry into what, you know, like a history of the, of a particular town or a particular region or, you know, just a, a lot, a lot of things like that. Um, and that, that took a lot of doing it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty tough um, to, first of all, find it, figure out, well, where's he going to go now? Yeah. You know, uh, and second of all, well, when he gets there, what's he going to do? And and is he going to stay in a hotel that doesn't exist in that yeah. town? You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or is he going to see a landmark that doesn't exist in this town, which I tried not to do? Uh, so that type of research was uh, intensive. Yeah. I guess the best word to put. Well, well, that's what I'm finding. I have two screens, too. So I'll be writing and I'll be thinking, okay, she's at this location, and I'll bring up the location on the second screen. And like like you said, you know, you're typing and you're looking, you know, and typing. And I've gone down a few rabbit holes just <laughs> doing <laughs> research, you know. And it's like, well, that was really a, a real productive <laughs> writing session. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. To, that's easy to do. That happens to me a lot, as a matter of fact. I'll, I'll get all interested in the you know, the fine details of a certain little town or something. And the next thing I know, three hours later, I haven't written a single word, but I know yeah. about that town. So yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you mean about rabbit holes. Yeah. Now your character, how you set this character up. Um, you know, it was, you mentioned about making the reader feel a little uncomfortable. So as I'm reading it, I'm hoping Jonathan can be redeemed and it's brutal when there's this chance with the sun, but it doesn't happen. So during your writing process, did the idea of redemption kind of come into play? Because it, it, it was, it was wild. It was, you took me on a wild ride with this book. And so, yeah. Did, did that ever come up? The idea of, him trying to redeem himself or yes that that, uh you know when i write a book i basically have an idea of how i want it to start and i kind of have a general idea of how i want it to end and then i just try to hit the high points in between yeah uh this book i i went back and forth on how to end it uh you know you and i have a have a a common friend tony olivier you know he uh he he had uh, read my book and and he I remember him emailing me and saying I was all I was kind of hoping a little bit for a redemption arc uh yeah. for your character uh and and I'm like yeah you know I thought about it yeah. I, I actually did but in my mind that would have been what happens in a lot of books and yeah. I wanted I wanted it to be totally different as much as possible 
So again, it's a what if question. What if he doesn't have redemption? Yeah. You know? But but I mean, I was thinking, does he get caught? Does he not get caught? Does he make it to his goal of 52 murders in a single year? Does he, you know, does he not make it? What? How does he handle that if he doesn't make it? I had a whole lot of things, uh, scenarios going through my mind about how to end the book. And yeah. believe it or not, I didn't know for sure how it was going to end until about two days before I finally finished the book. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I a couple of days before I finished, I still had about eh, maybe three chapters left to write. And I was still like, hmm, I don't I don't know. I don't know. And I've kind of played around with it in my mind. And I just basically ended the book the way I thought was maybe better for the story, yeah. for the story overall, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to give away a spoiler or anything no, like no, that no, no, no. what happens. But uh, for some people, it was a satisfying ending. And for some yeah. people, it's not. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I I thought it was good. I, it was unexpected, and I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. Well, well good. Yeah. At least I got one on my side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing I find I find endings difficult. Mm-hmm. I just I do, and I know Spy Girls is with my editor now, and I rewrote that ending I think four times before I actually even gave it to her. You know, and. Uh, yeah. I think finally, I even sent her another ending. So she has the book. And I said, okay, this has been bugging me. I go, I, you, you'll get it. I told her, I don't want the cliched ending. You know, like it, but. there's a ring that is involved. And I said, I do not want the cliche. This is not a Harlequin romance. It's not <laughs> going to be a cliched ending. Right. You know, so I did. I sent her just the last chapter and she's like okay good right as i said so ignore what's in the manuscript this is the last like what i'm thinking of yeah yeah so and is it more satisfying to you as a writer when when the story comes out like that yeah it is to me anyway so uh and i wish i had earlier when we were talking about this that uh i wish i had thought of the word cliche because that's exactly what it is you know things are cliche for a reason you yeah. know, because they happen all the time or they happen so often that people know what to expect. Yeah. And you put together a, a story of, uh, with an ending that people are like, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, my gosh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Then I think as a writer, we've done our job, yeah. you know, to keep people on the edge of their seat. Yeah. I found that I was torn when reading Mile Marker Zero because at one point, I'm wanting to warn the victims, like as how you've set it up. And then at another point, I don't necessarily want Jonathan to get caught. And there's always that question, is he going to get caught? Is he going to get caught? Right? Yeah, yeah. And I was just wondering, as I'm reading, I thought, how did he do this? How did he, Benny do this? That I am feeling torn don't get caught. Yes, get caught. Don't get caught. Yes, victim, go away. Right? Like, talk to me about it. Was it the backstory or is it the character? Yeah. Again, I think it's both. Uh, I tried to make it his backstory was kind of like everybody else's backstory. You yeah. know, tried to make him as relatable as possible. Uh, uh, 
yeah, you want the guy to maybe succeed, but man, it would be nice if he didn't have to kill people to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, if I had him get caught, yeah, well, that would have pretty much been the end of the story. So if you want to tell a complete story, you kind of got to have it to where he, he doesn't get caught or if he does get caught, he gets out of that somehow. And I'm not quite the writer enough to make it to where he gets caught and then breaks out of jail. And all that. <laughs> I, I'm not good enough with it, you know, that kind of a, a research on that. Um, but I, I guess thinking about it, um, I was a little bit torn about yep. what to do during the during the course of the story too so maybe i transferred that to the page i i, I don't know um this is one of those questions where i just i, I don't really know how i did it i just kind of uh i think one thing that helped is i that i wrote the story in first person as if he's sitting there telling you the story so he you know, you you have a little bit of empathy for the guy. You don't necessarily have sympathy, yeah. but you do have empathy. You understand where he's coming from, uh, yeah. or at least I hope that the yeah. reader would understand where he's coming where he's coming from. So, uh, how I did it, I don't know. I just yeah. wrote. I just kind of wrote a stream of consciousness, kind of like, well, what's what am I thinking about right now? And yeah. it just kind of happened. So, luck. Well, like I said, there are scenes where you know the police show up and you're like, oh, you know, and then, okay, yeah. what's going down. Right. right. So, right. Right. Mm -hmm. so what was the most difficult part in writing this novel? Um, other than the research, which was, yeah. which was pretty difficult, believe it or not, it was actually keeping track of what, what number of murder he was on. Oh, you wow. know? And, and, and uh, he has to do one murder a week and no more than one. I mean, yeah. he set these strict rules for himself. He has to have one murder a week, and he has to have it done by midnight on Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Uh, and then Sunday morning, he would celebrate his his victory, if you call it that, of killing one person that week with a pancake breakfast and coffee. And he had a calendar where he kept track of of his the number of murders on the calendar. Yeah. Um, uh, but other than that, it was just keeping track of where is he, you yeah. know, as far as the number of murders that he's done. And I actually, uh, during the very first edit, I had messed up. I had actually jumped ahead one murder. I had had one, had him where he had committed one more murder than he had actually done in the story. Okay. So I had to go back and kind of fix that. So things like that are kind of tough. Um, and I kept up with things with a, an Excel. I had an Excel spreadsheet out in front of me and, a, and I made a calendar. Yeah. I made a calendar with uh, 12 different tabs and each tab was a month. And I you know, had the days all blocked out and where he was on a particular day and what his victim would, you know, whether it be a man, woman, you know, what their occupation was or what they were doing and where he ate breakfast and yeah. just little things, little things like that. That was, yeah, that was actually kind of what I've actually still got that, that calendar <laughs> somewhere. And just a little, it's not a spoiler, but it's kind of a little Easter egg. It was, I used the calendar from 2016. Oh. Well, I, I started writing the story in 2014, but I came up with the idea of him doing the uh, a calendar year. Yeah. It was early or late 2015. So I just used the next year because I thought I would be finished in 2016. Yeah. 
which I wasn't. Uh, but so I just used 2016 and that's, that's what I used. So. Well, then I'm also thinking as you're plotting this and he's going to different locations, you would need to know if he could get to different, the, his next location before the Saturday, right? Like that, the travel time. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Right. Yeah. That, that's another thing. That's another reason I had Google earth. Yeah. You know, opened up uh, because I didn't want him traveling, you know, 50 miles. Yeah. I wanted him traveling a good long distance because uh, another bit of a spoiler, not, not really much. He uses these long distance travels in his car to do a little bit of self-reflection and he's analyzing his own mental state the whole time he's driving these long distances. It's kind of like what we talked about earlier about doing a, a mindless task and thinking at the same time. So he's, driving down these these back roads of the United States thinking the whole time. So yeah. anyway. Okay. Good. Well, I'm doing nano and I don't know how to pronounce this, whether it's nano remo or nano rimo. Okay. And, I would call it nano rimo, but Okay. Okay. What do I know? <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm doing nano rimo and okay. it's it's located in Holland. And I am, like I think I mentioned to you earlier, you know, just kind of trying to, with a name like Vanderfluck, you'd think I'd know more Dutch, right? But I'm trying to immerse myself in Dutch culture, in the media, newspaper articles. And it hit me when I was looking up this pub in Holland, which is actually called Sherlock, okay? They had, I, I would like to go to this pub. They had flags on this on the ceiling, and there was like Australian, there was the American flag, there was the Canadian flag. And when I saw the Canadian flag, it just kind of hit me that my character is not home, right? Because all the all the other stories took place in, on Vancouver Island. Wow. So, given that mile marker, what mile marker zero is about? You're immersed in Jonathan's world. How did you come up like for air or just kind of go oh, and take a break? Was it like, how, how did you? Uh, it, it, during the majority, the bulk of, of writing this book, um, I would take multiple day breaks. Yeah. From writing. Uh, now the last, I don't know how many chapters, I would say probably the last quarter, 25% of the book, I did it in a flurry of of every day, every single day, multiple hours every single day. Um, but I would have after I would finish the chapter, yeah. Um, I would kind of step away and just kind of, you know, try to wrap my brain around what was going to happen next. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't know that I ever really came up for air. Oh wow! You know, you know what I mean? It, yeah. It's it, it, it kind of. This story kind of consumed me uh, for the last 25% of the book, which was, you know, I finished the last 25% in about three weeks or something. Wow. Like. Yeah. It was kind of a flurry of writing, but I was really consumed with, you know, first of all, getting the book finished, but also, you know, this is turning into a pretty decent story from my point of view. Yeah. Um, so it kind of consumed me. Yeah. And um, I just kind of stayed involved with it. Now, one way I, I guess you could call it coming up for air 
is when I slept at night, you know, I, I would, I had no trouble sleeping, yeah. but the next morning when I got up, I was like, well, I got to go out to my writing shed yeah. and, uh, and get the keyboard and raise my desk up to, cause you know, I stand up when I write and yeah. I raise my desk up and get to it. And that's, that's what happened, especially for the last, about the three, last three weeks. That's good. Well, cause I know like when I come out of this office, Ed was telling telling me about this um, the hockey and the playoff, not the playoffs, but the hockey and you know the Canucks. And I can't remember a word he said. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> you know, I think right. I just was like, uh huh, uh huh, and I'm thinking, then yep. hog. Okay, if she goes here, you know, and it's like, yeah, you know, right, yeah, yeah. Your mind was on the book. You're, yeah. You you were consumed by it, and yeah. that's you know, for a writer, that's not a bad thing. You know, that that really keeps you focused on your story because, you know, uh, for somebody like me, it's pretty easy to get unfocused if I take too too long of a time off from it. Yeah. Okay. Now, Mile Marker Zero is a real place in Key West, Florida. And I actually did the Google Earth and I I was it was funny (laughs) because I was like, oh, this is neat. And I got the little man and I'm like scrolling, doing the 360, right? Yeah. yeah uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so I, have you been there? Oh, yeah. 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 I've been there four times. Oh, as wow. And as a matter of fact, uh, my wife and I took vacation there just this past October. Okay. Uh, uh, last month. I mean, it was October 1st or something. We were there for about four days and had my picture. I took my picture at mile marker zero. Um, uh, And that's one reason that I had it in the book uh, is because I've been there and I knew the place fairly well. Uh, And by the way, the book wasn't originally going to be called mile marker zero. It was going to be called 52. Okay. 52 weeks in the year, 52 murders. And to me, that is, it may not be the most boring title in the world, but it's probably the second most boring title <laughs> in the world. You know what yeah. I mean? I just it just did not grab me. I did uh, some reason I didn't like it, so I got to playing around with you know a different way to title the book, and uh, I knew that I was going in the book there at in Key West, mile marker zero. Is yeah. it's, it symbolizes the end of the road? Yeah. Okay. See, end of the road. Uh, and uh, so I asked uh, some people with, with my publisher, uh, what do you think about, you want to call it Mile Marker Zero? And I had another title, which was not very good. And they everybody said they like Mile Marker Zero. So I'm yeah. like, Mile Marker Zero it is. So cool. that's kind of how it, um, uh, Elgin Williams, uh, you know, with Pandemonium, he's like, you know, I told him about uh Mile marker zero is end of the road. He says, or the beginning of the road, depending on which direction you're going. Oh, like, geez. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the way this guy was going, it was the end of the road. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. No. It, so I take it. It looked very lovely. It looked nice. It looked sunny. We've had a week of fog morning and night and the fog horn just going. So <laughs> sunny weather. Nice. Yeah. Uh, when we went, uh, what was the hurricane that hit? Oh, geez. Uh, uh, Ian, Hurricane Ian, I think okay. that it just hit around Tampa and uh, it sideswiped Key West about a week before we were there. Okay. And they were still, it flooded. It didn't do a lot of wind damage, but it flooded and they were still cleaning up. But the weather was beautiful. Oh, oh it was beautiful sunshine. It was, 
it was mid 80s temperature it was just i if i could afford it i would live there i just love that place yeah well yeah we had the conversation yesterday you know spouse saying we need to go somewhere warm (laughs) it's just just, i would highly recommend key west it's a a great place in my opinion okay okay so each book has its challenges and but i'm thinking going back to the bodie anderson series so after mile marker zero Will going back to Bodhi and his world be easier? Maybe. It, I guess it depends on the circumstances. Are you looking at going back to Bodhi's world? Because I sure hope you do. Right? <laughs> I've actually, um, uh, believe it or not, I've, I've got three uh, different stories for Bodhi Anderson started, but I'm working on a different, a whole different standalone book right now at the moment. Okay. Uh, there's one one book that I've uh, I've got for. They're not really what you would call sequels. They're they're each standalone uh, stories, of, kind of like your stories. You know, they're not really sequel. They don't necessarily go from one to the other to the other. Yeah. Uh, you can read one book by itself, and it would it would be its own story. Yeah. But I've got three already started. One of them I'm about thirty something thousand words into it, but I'm go- I'm still going to set it back for a little while until I finish the the story that I'm working on now. Yeah. Uh, I think when all is said and done, I may have a, a total of probably four Bodie Anderson books. Excellent. We'll have to see. I, I, I don't. I don't really know. Uh, yeah. Once I finish the book that I'm writing now, then I'll go back and with the the one that I'm about thirty thousand words into and pick it up and see where it goes. Excellent. We'll okay. Well. Benny, this is always, it's always a blast. Anything you'd like to add? Anything I've missed? Uh, let's see. Let me think. <laughs> no, you're, you're so thorough. <laughs> well, I mean, well, tell us about your, what's, what's going on next for you. Oh, wow. Oh, this, you know, it's crazy with writing, you know, because, um, now that I'm retired, A, I'm busier than ever. And so right. next year, I'm actually cutting down on the number of podcasts I'm doing. But uh, yeah, I've uh, my editor has Spy Girls, and that was an unexpected turn. I'm just thinking of what you say with writing, you know, just your writing. And then it's like, boom, and you're like, oh, okay, I didn't expect this, right? Um, and what's been really neat is what I, I noticed a bit of a pattern. This was when I used to work where after a book would come out, there'd be a month and then I'd start again. I'd start another book. Okay. And, uh, with this one with spy girls, it, what was really cool is as I'm writing the ending, I knew what was going to how where she my character Jade was going to be in the next book. And I think maybe that's why the ending I had so much difficulty with the ending because I I knew where she was going to be, right? Uh-huh. right. So um it's been it's been really interesting 
researching Holland and I've been contacting everyone I know. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at that honeymoon stage forage draft <laughs> with the fourth <laughs> book. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's just like my foot's on the gas pedal and I would like to get my goal has always been like a hundred pages or 140 pages kind of like saved before I yank myself out of Holland and I'm working on the edits to Spy Girls because Spy Girls is going to come out next year, right? 2023, you know, early, early summer. So before I get back to the edits and kind of ground myself in Jade's world on Vancouver Island, I want to get as much as I can done with uh, book four. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. Uh, I got to tell you, it's pretty impressive that you, you know, four books in a series uh, is pretty good because a lot of times, or me, for example, it is easy to run out of ideas for where the story should, you know, needs to go. But you got four books, you know, in the pipeline. That's pretty good. You probably got a fifth already brewing in your head somewhere, (laughs) more than likely. But here's the thing. I call it the Jade and Sage series. Yeah. But with book four, I was thinking about this last night. I don't know if Sage is going to make an appearance in book four. And I'm just like, uh oh. <laughs> Nobody's going to throw a fit over that. Believe okay. me. They will be perfectly fine if you call the, the Jade and Sage series. It, yeah. it, Jade is still the main character. Yeah. In, yeah. In, in your story, she's still the main character. So I think you'll be fine. But I got to know, I got to know something. Yeah. Tell me about changing the covers for your books. Oh, okay. That's because of Spy Girls. Okay. Um, really? Yeah. Because, you know, I started thinking, okay, it's a series. I want people, when they see the books, know, oh, this is probably, this is a Joanna series, right? And I liked what the, here's the crazy thing. What the book designer did is I told them everything I liked and everything I didn't like with book covers, right? And (laughs) I, I was I will admit I was very adamant. I said, I do not want a picture of a woman running away, right? I go, I've seen a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I go, I don't cliche, want that. Cliche. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> so then what ended up happening was I thought maybe more of a landscape type scene. But then what she sent me with the images, like there's a bit of landscape but there's images of women on the cover. I just, I fell in love with them. I thought this is a wicked cover. This is, yeah, I'd be, this, this is, this is what I want. Right. So uh, it's more to do with branding the series. So when someone picks up one or they see one, you know, on the internet or on Amazon, they know, Oh, this is all part of the, the same series. Right. Right. Yeah. You got to have some continuity there. Yeah. With your with your series, a lot of people do that. Um, you know, my favorite author is Jack. Uh, you know, the Jack Reacher series, Lee Child. Yeah, uh, all his book covers are basically there's there is a similarity between yeah. all all the books, and and if you can do that, then you know you've got 
you can have all your books side by side in a bookstore and people go, Oh, I want that one. Oh, I want yeah. that one. I want that one. Oh, here's a fourth one. You know, so yeah, yeah, it's good. That's so good. it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun and uh, she did a great job, you know? So I'm like, okay, I've got your number. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, then I, and then the thing go. that was really cool is I said to her book four, she's in Holland. <laughs> right? So right, yeah. Yeah. Right. So anyway, well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking Thank forward you. to reading them. Thank you. Well, I'll let you go, Benny. Thank you for joining me here. It's always fun. We need to we need to do this more often. You're you're the best interviewer in the business, as far as I'm concerned. You, you don't ask the same old boring questions, and that's what I like. You know, it's a it's a deep dive discussion uh, that a lot of writers would, definitely would appreciate. We don't want the cliche. Hey? We don't want the cliche. <laughs> yeah. right. Okay, right. Benny. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.